Welcome to the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Janessa McKenzie, an intuitive business and mindset coach to inspire success-driven solopreneurs like you who are ready to show up like a badass boss and create the impact and income they desire. It's my mission to help you see who you were created to be so you can share your gifts with the world and make a difference. My approach to business is not what most would call normal. Thank God, because being weird and unapologetic about it is my jam. On this podcast, we mix the woo with the do to help you create the space, energetics, and strategy that attract the clients and cash you really want while unapologetically showing up as who you are so you can design the business and life you desire from the inside out. So if you're ready to say peace to settling, hiding, half-assing, and dimming your light, and yes to having the abundant, profitable business and life of your dreams without living on the edge of exhaustion and overwhelm, listen up as I hit the BS button on the extremely outdated perception that you need to hustle to be something you're not to be successful. Thank you so much for being here today. Now let's do this. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast. I am here today with Ashley Easter, and Ashley is an intuition coach, and she teaches her clients how to stop putting their faith and trust in everything outside of themselves and tap into their super intuitive powers for security, abundance, and massive success. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about her story about being a cult survivor and how that led her into where, you know, the, where she is now, how it got her intuition flowing and how she became a coach and how you can fuck fear and let your intuition lead so that you can receive more signs from your intuition. So super excited about this conversation. Ashley, I'm so excited that you're here. How are you today? I am so good and super excited to be on your podcast. Thank you for the invitation and just want to say hello to everybody in your audience. I can't wait to have this conversation. Yes. So tell us a little bit more about you and um, you can absolutely, let's talk about you know, who you help and exactly how you help them. And then we'll talk a little bit about your story and how it led you into into this realm of entrepreneurship? Yeah. So I help mainly women, but some men. <laughs> um, I find that not as many men are open to the conversation around intuition. So I focus mainly on women, but um, I do want to be clear that men have intuition as well. It's not yeah. just a women's intuition thing, but I really help people trust themselves again. Mm. Um, like you said in the introduction, you know, we have people outside of us telling us what to do, whether it's society, whether it's family, whether it's religion, political, you know, um, parties, you know, whatever it is, we have all these people telling us what we should do. Mm. And, you know, it's okay to take some advice and, you know, hear some wisdom from people outside of us. But ultimately, when we're making choices for ourselves, we really need to tap into our gut. We really need to tap into our intuition for that safety, abundance, and success. And when you're able to do that, you have ultimate freedom because when you can trust yourself, you don't have to rely on everybody else. There's really nothing that's off limits for you. You have an edge in business. You have an edge in relationships. You have an edge in every single area of life because that intuition inside of you is so, so wise. And yeah, whenever you can tap into that, 
you're golden. So that's really what I help my clients do is to be able to tell the difference between their intuition, their ego, fear, trauma, voices of people outside of them. And when you can get clear on that difference, like I said, you're golden. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another important point here too is, you know, remembering that sometimes, and I really, this kind of goes back to your ego, but you know, the thoughts that you're having are, you know, are they the right aligned thoughts, which is like intuition, or are they the fear-based, oh my God, I'm, you know, not going to (laughs) survive if this doesn't happen, thoughts, you know, which is ego. And, And just remembering that your thoughts are not always, like, don't always listen to your thoughts. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So one thing I love to teach my clients is the difference between intuition and ego. Um, And I'd love to be able to share some of those core differences and how you can begin to feel and understand the differences. Would that be okay? Or would you like that a little bit later in the podcast? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I would love that, but I would love to dive into your story a little bit first and figure out, you know, tell us how you, you know, got to where you are. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I grew up in a very cult-like environment, um, and I'll try to give you the nutshell version because I was in that cult for 22 years of my life, and so it's hard to distill everything down, but I'll just give you kind of an overview and the basics of it. And with cults, the thing is they have a lot of insider lingo, like words that either mean something specific to the cult or that the outside world really isn't familiar with. So I'll be describing a couple of different definitions, but um, if at any time what I'm saying doesn't make sense, just let me know and I'll explain. (laughs) Right. So, uh, yes, I grew up in this cult-like environment. I um, had both of my grandfathers were pastors in independent fundamentalist Baptist churches, and there's about 20 25 different types of Baptist churches. So I'm not knocking all Baptist churches. I actually know some that are very progressive and liberal. Um, so I'm not painting Baptists across the board, but independent fundamentalist Baptist churches, there's a lot of abuse scandals that are coming out recently. Um, a lot of people are saying that they, um, have very cult-like tendencies and that certainly was my experience. Um, One of my grandfathers was a pastor in the North, one was in the South, and I grew up in the church in the South. I was there from the time I was a couple of days old, and I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, every chance I got. The church was my life and my family's life, and really didn't know a lot of people outside of that church. And on top of that, I was also homeschooled and homeschooling could be a good choice for a lot of people. I know during the pandemic for safety reasons, some people are homeschooling their children. Mm -hmm. I know that um, Olympic athletes often are homeschooled so they can hone their craft. And then, you know, some, some school districts aren't, you know, really capable of serving certain students. And so homeschooling can be good in those situations. Mm -hmm. Um, But inside the larger homeschooling movement, there's small movements inside of it. And one of those small movements, one that we were a part of, was called the patriarchy movement. Mm -hmm. 
and um, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's about adherence to the patriarchy. So men were to have power and control over women in the home, church, and often in society. A woman's role was to submit to men um, in all things, to get married young, have lots of babies, that type of thing. Um, not very many women worked outside the home. And if they did, it was usually sort of a church job. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was very much the ideology of this patriarchy movement. And then inside the patriarchy movement is other smaller movements. And I kind of liken it to, um, are you familiar with those Russian nesting dolls? Like the Matryoshka dolls where they like go inside of each other. Yeah. So like you've got these movements that stack inside of each other and they really are extensions of each other, but they just get more intense. So homeschooling movement. Inside of that's the patriarchy movement. Inside of that is the quiverful movement. And the closest pop culture example I have to that is um, the Duggars, 19 Kids and Counting, or maybe mm. Welcome to Plathville. Have you seen any of those shows? Um, I've seen the, I've, I know who the Duggars are, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we didn't have to wear the long skirts like the Duggars, but a lot of the same ideologies were the same. Um, you know, modesty, culture, and, um, you know, just really strict. A lot of things were off limits. Like I had never been to a movie theater. Um, Dancing was not allowed. Um, You know, listening to secular music wasn't okay. Just, you know. So it's kind of like Footloose meets meets the Duggars. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. Yes, yes. That's a good way to put it. Um, So... I grew up in that. And the reason it's called the quiverful movement is because they take this verse out of Psalms in the Christian Bible out of context. And it it says, children are like arrows in a mighty man's quiver. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So to be a blessed man, you're supposed to have like this quiver full of children. So um, a woman's role is to birth as many children as possible. And I remember as a teenager sitting through a lecture called the 200 year plan. And it was this, you have 10 children, those 10 children have 10 children, those 10 children have 10 children and on and on for 200 years, your family does this, all these other homeschool families do this. And after 200 years, we have this astronomical amount of descendants who can basically dominate the world through overpopulation with this patriarchal quote unquote Christian message that we believe in. Mm. So pretty intense stuff. And, you know, as a a woman, your role is really that procreation role and to focus on getting married young, having all those babies and continuing the cycle. Yeah. When Uh, you say getting married young, what is young? Well, um, you know, for, for me, I did get married at 22, which we'll get into that in a bit. And that was actually a good choice for me, but a lot of people were married around, you know, 18 or 19. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also, I do work with some child marriage survivors and not as far as I'm aware of in my direct community, Mm -hmm. um, were there any child marriage survivors, but that is unfortunately a common thing within, the patriarchy movement inside the homeschooling movement. So I'm very aware of that. And um, uh, child marriage is actually legal in the United States in 47 states and several of our provinces. So yes, yes. Wow. Some states it's as young as 14. Um, 
and other states really don't put a number on it. Though I think in the last three years, some of that has changed, but it was just, if you could get pregnant, you could be married. Um, But we've changed and I've, you know, worked with some child marriage advocate, child marriage survivor advocates and three states have changed within the last two or three years, but we've got a long way to go um, before child marriage ends here. Um, But yeah, so, you know, if, when you see child marriages, it, it happens for a lot of different reasons, but a lot of times it, it can be in connection to highly religious groups, not just Christian, but, you know, mm-hmm. any fundamentalist sector of religion. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, so, so I'm curious. I mean, I know that there are a lot of, all of us, I think are, you know, taught and conditioned in our youngest years, right? That's where we form our belief systems. That's where we form our, you know, how we are supposed to experience our, the world. Right. So what, you know, made you say, this isn't right. I don't, this is, you know, I mean, that's, that's a big step for somebody to take to say, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't like this. And this isn't yeah. how I live my life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, not surprisingly in this movement, there was a lot of abuse. I experienced a lot of different forms of abuse. And um, one situation was with a romantic partner, somebody that I was engaged to, to be married. And there was abuse there. And thankfully I was able to end that engagement before we got married. I know a lot of women, we're not able to get out and, you know, went on to have abusive marriages. But um, what happens when you get out of an abusive relationship is you go through post-traumatic stress disorder, Mm -hmm. PTSD. And so there was the deep, dark depression, the anxiety and panic attacks, the suicidal thoughts, um, just all of the things that happen in, a body when you go through abuse, I was going through those things. And, you know, mind you, after I got out of this abusive relationship, I'm still in a cult. So, you know, it's, um, um, that kind of will tell you the level of control in the relationship I had that it was still shocking to my system, even though I was in a high control cult. Um, but, um, yeah. So when I started going through that, PTSD and and all that, you know, there, there got to a point where it was just so hard for me to keep living because when I would be awake, I would have the panic attacks. And then when I would sleep, I would have these flashback nightmares. And so it felt like I could never escape from this dread. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I would do is I would wait until everybody went to bed and I would be up at like three or four o'clock in the morning um, not able to sleep, but not wanting to think anymore. So I put in headphones and turn on music really loud just to drown out the sound of my own mind. Mm. And one night when I did that, I had this feeling, this strong, uh, it felt like a, a heavy presence come over me. It wasn't heavy in a bad way, but more like weighty. And then I had this voice come into my mind, something that I didn't consciously conjure. Mm. And it said, it's going to be okay. Something big, something good's about to happen. It's going to be okay. Something big, something good's about to happen. And that calm, cool voice of what I now know is my intuition piercing through all the fear and the control and the 
anxiety, I listened to that and it, it felt so different. The contrast was huge. And um, I listened to that and it gave me some hope. And not too many months later, I had a woman who briefly visited our church and was like, this is not for me, but she was there long enough for us to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. She invited me to a coffee shop where she worked. I went to this coffee shop to visit her. She introduced me to a guy who believed in equality for women. Um, and we started a conversation. And at first I didn't want to hear any of this because, you know, I thought this patriarchal way was the right way. And, you know, my role was to be submissive, but in order for me to get him off my back, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to debate him, (laughs) which I see the irony because I was debating a man about how I should be submissive, but I was trying to prove him wrong. So, so much. (laughs) Um, but, uh, the the stereotype is true homeschoolers are notoriously good debaters and to be a good debater i knew i needed to know his side of the argument better than he did so i could know what his weak points were to kick the legs out from underneath him and win the debate so i began studying about equality for women from both a spiritual perspective and also from more of a secular sociological perspective and the debate never had to happen because the research convinced me on its own. Um, And when I pulled out that one piece in my belief system, when I started believing that I was equal and that I really could trust myself, I didn't have to trust the men around me to tell me what to do when I could and could not do. Um, Everything else started falling apart, the whole other belief systems in the cult. And that eventually led me to starting to do traditional dating where I didn't have high parental involvement. I started going swing dancing. I mean, I'm telling you, I got really rebellious. Listen to Taylor (laughs) Swift, went to the movie theater. I mean, I went wild. Um, I eventually met my now husband, Will, and he was just such a safe person for me. Um, He was understanding about the abuse I'd experienced and just so supportive. He treated me as an equal. We both had an intuitive hit that we were right for each other. He knew on the first date. I knew two weeks later, (laughs) after four months of knowing each other, we got engaged. Four months later, we were married and we've been married for almost seven years now. And it's been amazing. But that was my physical rescue out of the cult, you know, before Mm -hmm. I was ideologically changing but he really rescued me physically from it. Um, And from there, he really gave me the safe place to explore myself, to trust my intuition. And my intuition really, I mean, it's done so much. Like it's, it led me out of this cult. It helped me find my soulmate. It's helped us make a decision about moving states. I've used it to start a nonprofit Um, I've used it to start my own business. I've used it for every major decision in my life. And I use it for the small things too, like picking avocados in (laughs) the grocery (laughs) store. Like it is such a practical thing for everyday life. And it also helps with the big decisions and realizing that when you know your intuition's voice, when you are clear on what that sounds like, then you know, you, you can do anything. Um, it's always going to lead you on the right path. And and when you follow it, things are always going to turn out for the better. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I'm, I, I have one more quick question about, mm. about what you just said. 
Yeah. When you, when you, you know, decided to, you know, become the rebel. <laughs> yes. Um, how did that affect your family life? Mm. Yeah, they were not happy. Um, not at <laughs> all. When I first told them like, Hey, um, I'm going to be doing things differently and, and keeping in mind, like I, I was an adult, like I was 21. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been an adult since I was 18 and I still had these high control parental relationships. So it wasn't like I was, you know, a 14 year old making these decisions. Right. I was a full fledged adult, a voting adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I was like, you know, I'm going to start making my own decisions about what I wear and, you know, about dating and about, you know, the things that I do. And they were not happy. We had about, I think it was eight hours of this super intense um, conversation with them trying to convince me otherwise. And it was just, it was honestly very terrifying to me. I'd never seen my parents um, behave that way before towards me. I'd seen them have strong reactions to other people outside of the cult or those who, you know, didn't follow the rules, but never quite that strong towards me. Mm. Um, but I gave them kind of an ultimatum. I was like, Hey, so here's the thing. Um, I know you all want me to live at home. And honestly, that's easier for me because I didn't, I mean, I had a nanny job that made, you know, a little bit of money, but like, I didn't have a job. I hadn't been to college, you know, anything like that. So Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I understand you all want me to still live with you. Um, and honestly, that's easier for me right now. But if that happens, I have to be treated like an adult. I have to be able to make my own decisions for myself and for my life. Um, and if you can't, you know, go along with that, um, you know, I'm going to have to leave and I'll just figure it out and it'll be messy, but you know, I'll get in my cheap car that I bought that was always falling apart every week and I'll, I'll leave. And they didn't want that. So we kind of came up with, it didn't work very well, but they're like, well, you're physically in our house. You have to obey our rules. But once you're outside of the door, like you can do your own thing. I mean, that just, that doesn't really work that well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, um, it wasn't until I got married and then I started openly writing about some of the experiences I'd had in the cult that, um, my relationship with them firmly got you know, cut off. It was again, sort of a thing where it was like, you're either for me or you're not. And I'm going to talk about some of the abusive things I've experienced and, um, you know, they weren't cool with that. And so, yeah, I don't really have a relationship with them now, but, um, I don't regret, I don't regret leaving and I don't regret making my own decisions. And that's the thing with intuition you know, um, it will always lead you to a better place. It doesn't mean it won't be hard. The things you leave behind, um, especially when it's, you know, family or friends or people that are close to you. Like I'm disconnected from that entire community that I grew up in. And that was pretty much all I knew for 22 years, but on the other side is so much freedom. And I'm telling you that's worth any of the pain. (laughs) That is so worth the pain. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. That's an amazing story. I'm just saying, I really couldn't say too much in the middle of that because I'm just like sitting here with my eyeballs wide open going, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, Um, I I hear you. And it's, I mean, some people are shocked that this, you know, happens in the U.S., but it's actually very common. Um, It's it's pretty popular movement. Um, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm not shocked that it happens. It's yeah. because I do know that it does happen. I know yeah. that yeah. you know some really messed up things still happen right. here. Right. You know, um, but we do have that place where we can, like you did, say no more. This isn't for me. Yeah. This isn't what I want. Yes. Uh, we have that freedom here in the United States. Mm. Whereas in a lot of other countries, they don't. True. True. Um, you know, I'm sure, I'm not saying it's easy because it's not. I'm sure that, you know, you had a lot of internal conflict mm. with that decision. Um, ego versus intuition, right? Right, right. <laughs> Um, and thank God your intuition let out. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There was definitely a lot of internal conflict at the time, but, um, that is thankfully all been resolved. Um, mm-hmm. now that I've seen the amazing freedom on the other side, it's, it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard yeah. to go back once you tasted freedom. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. It uh, also makes, I think all of us that have not had to go through something like that more grateful Mm. for even for the problems or obstacles or situations that we have been in that really haven't been optimal Mm. you know hearing hearing your story can help other people also just feel grateful for all the things that they did have and did go Mm. through Mm. so thank you for being brave enough to share oh thank you for opening the space for it and Mm. and what I would say to somebody listening who maybe hasn't gone through something as extreme is you know if I could go through something that extreme and if my intuition could have my back through the process Mm. you know anything that you're going through your intuition can have your back too you know maybe you've gone through an abusive relationship maybe not maybe you um have had just you know, things come up in your life that, you know, society, family, whatever, just trying to tell you what's best for you, even if they have really good intentions, just Mm -hmm. knowing that, um, your intuition has got you, you know, and it's worth listening to, and it always turns out better on the other side. Yeah. And I, you know, I think the important thing here too, is when you do listen to your intuition, there still has to be a decision. Hmm. You know, like that you have to consciously make the decision to follow the intuition. Like you can hear it all day long, (laughs) but nothing's going to change unless you decide to change it. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. And your intuition is always an invitation. Uh, Well, that's great. I love that. Intuition mm -hmm. is an invitation. Yeah. Perfect. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect saying. (laughs) (laughs) it's totally true it's totally true it is it it's an invitation to to create better Mm, yeah it really is it really is yeah yeah I love it so after all of that (laughs) I would love to talk about your your steps let's talk Mm -hmm. about your steps to um to follow that intuition or how to really listen to it so that you can, you can see the signs, right. Or you can hear it clearer. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So for me to do that properly, I've got to geek out a little bit with some science. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so one of the things that I found that has been really helpful in being able to trust intuition is knowing that it's not just this woo-woo esoterical thing. There's also hard science that backs it. Mm. And, um, you know, for some people, the woo-woo is enough for other people with inquisitive minds like me, you know, don't get me wrong. I love, I love a bit of woo, but I also (laughs) need to have some of that hard science behind it so I can trust it. Um, So let me share with you how intuition works and how ego works. And then we'll get clear on the differences between the two, how you can know the difference. Perfect. So you have two different sides of your brain and I'm just going to take a sip of water real quick. Yeah. You have two different sides of your brain and actually your brain is super complex. Um, There are many, many different parts. So I'm really oversimplifying for this conversation, but for the sake of what we're talking about, there's two main sides. So you've got the left side of your brain and the right side of your brain. The left side of your brain is where your logical mind is, where your consciousness is, where you are aware of what you're doing. So for instance, right now, I'm aware that I'm talking to you. I have this microphone in front of me that I can see. I have this um, computer screen in front of me. I can see all the things. I'm totally aware of this. That is the logical side of your brain. That is the conscious part of your brain that is aware of what is happening. And this is actually where your ego lives. It lives in that left side of your brain, in the logical, conscious part of your brain. And the ego isn't all bad. Um, I've heard a lot of things about, you know, ego deaths and killing the ego and all those kinds of things. And the ego really isn't a bad thing. It's just they're trying to keep you safe. It's sort of like a scared child who doesn't have the whole picture. And so its job is to keep you from dying, which is a good job. But it's not always right because it has such a limited perspective. Um, And so... With that, you know, it's it's one of the things where it's always going to be like, hey, you know, this is something to be afraid of, or here's some anxiety, or, you know, watch out for that. It's kind of that hypervigilance part of you. Mm. And again, there are some uses for it. Like, it's helpful if a bear is running after you, you know, for it to be like, hey, run. <laughs> run. <laughs> That's helpful. But, you know, in other cases of like whether I should take this new job opportunity or not, sometimes it's telling you things like, oh, that's outside of your comfort zone. That's dangerous. That's certain death. You know, when it's like, okay, logically, that's not certain death, you know, yeah. take the <laughs> job opportunity because it's out of my comfort zone. But that's kind of what its voice sounds like. It has best intentions, but it's really limited on its perspective. The other thing to know about this side of your brain, the logical side of your brain, is it um, it's very slow um, and it takes a long time for it to come to conclusions. So the example I like to give is this side of your brain is the side of the brain that solves math problems. It solves other problems too, but this is like a really easy example for people to grasp. So the logical side of your brain is given a math problem to solve. And the logical side of your brain, your ego has to think back to high school or college or wherever they learn to solve that math problem. And it then has to remember all the steps. It then has to work the problem and follow the steps. And you have to hope that you didn't miss a step, forget a step, or you're dyslexic like me. Maybe you flipped your, you know, six and your nine, mm-hmm. you know, It goes through this process and then it gives you an answer. And there's a lot of room for error in it. 
it has, you know, limited access to data. It has limited access to just the memories you can remember. Mm. And then it gives you an answer, which could be correct, or it might not be. It's kind of hit or miss. Um, it also, again, has to go through all that process, that pros and cons list. You know, it's very slow. Now, let's talk about the other side of your brain where your intuition lives, the right side of your brain, the subconscious side of your brain. That is where your intuition is housed. And your intuition has access to so many more data points than your ego has. Your intuition has access to to memories that your conscious mind has forgotten, things way, way back. It has access to fetal memory. It has access to energy imprints. It's got access to quantum uh, information. It has access to um, DNA and ancestral memories through epigenetics, um, all kinds of information. And it goes through a similar analytical process as your conscious mind to give you an answer, but it does it below the surface in your subconscious mind. It does it super quickly. It has access to more accurate information and it pings it up in about one to three seconds. And that is when your intuition comes in. So your intuition has access to far more data points. It's far more accurate. It's much faster, less room for error. And science is showing that it is, yeah, super, super accurate. So those are kind of the differences um, in the brain of how intuition versus ego works. The other thing about your intuition is it's always coming from a place of love and expansion because it has access to more data points. It realizes that you stepping out of your comfort zone probably isn't going to be certain death for you to take a new up level in your job, even though it's a little scary and outside of your comfort zone. Mm. So it's going to have access to all those things and it's going to give you more accurate um, responses. Um, and it's sort of like, um, like your computer. So your ego has access to the folders and files that are on your desktop. Whereas your intuition has access to like the finder feature, the search feature, which has all the data points from the last 10 years and all the other computer, you know, hard drives that you've copied onto it. Like your cookies. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so you can really know that you can trust your intuition because it's far more accurate, has more access to data points. But here's how it feels in the body. So you're like, okay, that's great. Intuition can be trusted. Ego, not so much. All right. But how do I know in the moment? Your ego is going to feel like it's coming from a place of fear, um, anxiety. Maybe it's going to be trauma, feelings, flashbacks, those types of things. Your ego is going to be hyperactive and like, oh, should I do this? Should I do that? And what about this? Da, 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 da. It's just going to be this hyper energy, kind of that monkey brain, that monkey mind. Your intuition, on the other hand, is going to be calm, cool, collected, precise, direct, it's going to be like, this is the way, walk in it, and it's not going to waver. Now, you might feel fear about what your intuition says to do, but the actual voice of your intuition when it's telling you to do or not do it is not going to be a voice of fear. It's just going to be very matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And so those are the two energies to look for. When you get that calm, cool clarity, that's your intuition's voice and you can know to follow it. The other hyperactive like pros and cons lists and, ah, you know, I'm afraid of this, you know, that is going to be your ego. And that's something to really keep in check because it's not as accurate as it tells you it is. Right. Yes. I find that um, for me, 
my ego will scream, right? Yes. It yells. It yells multiple times. <laughs> yes. Right? And your or my intuition is more of a whisper and a nudge and a, hey, mm-hmm. check this out. Yes. Like this yeah. really is a good thing. Um, or it just leads me to the yeah. thing. Like unconsciously, like the other day, I I go through my junk box and my email. Yeah. Pretty regularly, right? And I, But I usually am just like, yeah, yeah, and kind of scroll through them and just delete, right? Right. And the other day I said, um, I'm going to go through this and, you know, let's see what happens. So right. I went through it and there was one email in there that probably like even a year ago before I really tuned into my intuition, mm. I probably would have just deleted it. Right. But something said, open this one. Mm. So I opened it. And it was an invitation to speak at a summit of over a hundred thousand people. Wow. And I was like, okay, (laughs) because I asked for more opportunities. I asked the universe to, to bring more opportunities into me. And I didn't ask how it was going to happen. Right. I didn't ask for a specific way because that's not how it works. Right. And, um, and that's, you know, just happened and I was like yes yes I will talk to you I absolutely want to talk to you wow Uh, wow so can I ask how how did how did it feel for you in that moment because there's four main ways that intuition speaks and I'm curious how how did did, was it a knowing or how how was it for you so like when I said I'm going to open this email yeah yeah it was just a um it was almost like a voice you can't really hear. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that just says, open that one. Yes. And yes. you just do it. Yes. Right? You just do it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I've told another story on this, on the podcast a couple times about being on the highway with my kids when they were little mm. and my two-year-old daughter figured out how to unbuckle her car seat. Oh no. Yeah. And my seven-year-old son was like, we had a big SUV. So he was like on the other side and couldn't reach her without unbuckling. So I didn't want him to do that on the highway. Right. So I was just about to pull over into the breakdown lane and then said, no, I'm going to wait because there's a way station like a mile down the road. Right. And I'll just pull in there. And so I can get off the highway, you know, but those thoughts didn't all come through my head at the same time. It was Mm. my blinker on to to pull over into the breakdown lane and immediately shut it off and was like, mm-hmm. Nope, just going to go wait till the way. Yes. And 30 seconds, not maybe not even 30 seconds later, um, a car came down the breakdown lane doing over a hundred oh, with a wow. state trooper right behind it. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, that was the small knowing nudge. Yes. Like I didn't, feel any fear like there was no like right. oh my god don't pull over because something's right. gonna happen it right. was just nope I'm gonna wait yep absolutely yeah. oh so, that is yeah. so good yeah and it sounds like you're describing so far like two of the four ways so the first one with the email um was like the the 
you know, hearing in your mind's ear. And that's one way intuition speaks to us is like with those words that our conscious mind didn't come up with because it comes with from our subconscious where intuition is. And then the next time on the road, you're talking about the sense of knowing. Mm. And the reason that, you know, we just also know something without knowing why is because like I mentioned before, um, your intuition does go through an analytical process, but it does it below the surface and it just gives you the answer. So all of a sudden you just know. Um, And then the other two ways are, you know, seeing in your mind's eye. So like visions, dreams, um, or like images that come to your head. And then the other one is feeling, you know, a lot of times people get a gut feeling or something in their heart or chills and so yeah, all, of, all of those, yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Intuition has so many beautiful ways to communicate with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, and it's funny, you know, you were talking about like getting avocados at the grocery store. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. And it's funny because I, I'll do that too. I will like, just look at them and be like, yep. which one's the best one? And then just reach. Yes you know, 100%. I'm like, Oh yeah. yeah. And I don't even like question it. Sometimes I, I'm still tapping cantaloupes, but, right, um, right. You know? <laughs> but most of the time I'm like, Oh no, that one looks good. Right. Um, and it's you, it's always the first thing. Yes, it is. Right? It's, it's always the first decision that you made. Mm-hmm. It's, our ego that takes over and says, no, is it really that though? Right. Exactly. And that, and then that makes us second guess ourselves. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, For sure. Because how many times have you said, or anybody else listening said, I knew I should have done it that way. Or I knew that was going to (laughs) happen. Like, yeah, you did. Your intuition told you. Right. Right. Absolutely. yeah, the first time and you didn't listen, you did it the other way anyways. And, you know, yes, 100%. Not that it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing because you just, now you learn and you just tune into it even more. Right. It's just another data point. Like if you quote unquote, get it wrong with your intuition Mm -hmm. and then later you realize that, oh, that was my intuition. It's still a data point to help you build trust in your intuition because you now know like, it was, it was right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Next time I can listen and tune in. Yeah. It's funny because this past month, especially I have been, um, and it's because somebody told, like, I was talking to somebody and we were having this conversation. I don't remember who it was, <laughs> but, uh, it was listen to the things that your intuition is saying. And even if it sounds crazy, mm. do it anyways. And just follow that, right? And just see what happens. (laughs) So this last month, that's what I've been doing. Mm. And it's like, I don't, it's just weird sometimes because like my desk is in my bedroom. So Mm -hmm. I'm up here a lot, right? Um, And and not just working, but this is where I sleep. So I spend a lot of time in my room, right? (laughs) And there are times where I'll just like get this thought like, go outside and sit on the porch for a while. Mm, And I just, I'm like, okay. And I just do it. Or I'm just trying to think of like another example. Um, I don't know. Just sometimes they're like weird things like take a left, right. right, Or, um, you know, I don't know, check out this website or (laughs) 
thing sometimes. Google this, you know? <laughs> right, right. And sometimes you immediately know why yeah. after you follow it. And then other times it takes a bit and you're like later, oh, that's why it encouraged yeah. me to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. yeah. No, I take or my time. Like, oh, sorry. Or like I, you know, was just talking about the email. Open this email. Right, right. A hundred percent. Yeah. I um I take my clients through a process um, in my course, Intuition Mastery, mm. called Follow Your Gut Days. And I give them all kinds of tools to listen to their intuition. And then I encourage them to set aside a day or at least an afternoon to use those particular intuition tools mm-hmm. and to just follow their gut for that whole day and see where it takes them. And I'm telling you the stories that they've come up with. Isn't that awesome? Uh, just following your intuition. It's so fun. I, I love it so much. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've done that with a couple of my clients too, where they're like, I just can't get out of my head, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, get in the car, no destination mm. and just drive. Yeah. Don't think about it. Don't. And if you start to overthink it, pull over and right. breathe, breathe for two minutes, hone back in, ground yourself and start driving again. Mm. And, you know, they've come back with like, that was like the best day of my life. We ended up here and we got this yes. and we saw that. And like, I found five bucks on the ground and like, right, exactly. <laughs> like all yeah. these cool things. Or I met this awesome person and like these opportunities open because I just got in the car and drove that day. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful stuff. Oh, I've loved this conversation so much. I feel like we have so many similar things and similar mindsets around intuition. This is, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. It's amazing. So tell us a little bit more about your core, uh, your group program. Yeah. So I have a group program called Intuition Mastery, and it is really taking people from intuition curious to full-on intuitive masters. We talk about the science of intuition, but then we also get into the practical practice of it. So I have this framework that I take them through. So it's, you know, intuition curious and then intuition aware. And we really get into like how you can be aware of your intuition showing up all the time because it's always speaking to you. Mm -hmm. Then I take them to intuition competent and confident. And that's where I really load them up with tons of intuition tools um, because you, there are some times when it's like, hey, you know, this one way that I've usually heard intuition it's not working for me right in this moment. So I'd really like another tool to help listen to it. And intuition is really a relationship. And so you can wait for it to just speak to you. But then I also teach them different tools of how to speak to their intuition first to then incite those answers and responses. And then the last step is intuition mastery, where they really embody that, that, that archetype of being an intuition master. Mm-hmm. And I have just loved seeing my past intuition mastery students really step into their power, whether that's in relationships, work, their personal development, just every area of life, feeling confident to trust themselves and make decisions. You know, they're no longer having to lean on other people outside of them. They are fully, you know, self-sufficient in listening to their intuition and, and it's voice of wisdom. Um, and so I have details about that on my website. You can just go to ashleyeaster.com slash intuition dash mastery. Mm-hmm. 
And then I have all my other things on my Instagram page, uh, which is at I am Ashley Easter. And one of the things I'd love to offer to your audience is I have a free gift um, for them. It's called the Intuition versus Ego Toolkit. So maybe someone listening today is like, wow, you know, I'd really like to know when my intuition's voice is speaking, but sometimes it feels a little unclear. And I really like to gain clarity around when it's my intuition or my ego. You can download this toolkit and it has a mini ebook about the differences between intuition and ego. So you can get really clear. And then it's got some journaling prompts to help you really sink that into your body so you can know when it's your intuition versus your ego. And then it has a tap in, tap out meditation so you can get a quick intuitive hit. And that's one of my favorite meditations. Um, and you can just get that at ashleyeaster.com slash toolkit, and you can download it totally for free. I just want people to have this information because I think the world will be a better place when we're all guided by our intuition. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I will link all of those things up in the show notes. So anyone listening can just go and, and find all that goodness. So that's amazing. So thank you, Ashley. Uh, I love this conversation too. We could talk for hours, I think. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a part two. <laughs> Sounds fun. Um, so anyone listening, we love you and we want to hear from you. So screenshot this episode and tag us on your Instagram stories, Facebook stories, just tag us wherever you are um, and let us know what you took away what your aha moments were. And if you have questions, send us DMs because we want to talk to you. So Ashley, again, thank you so much. And everyone else, we'll see you in the next episode.